Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland, and well, Amy Keller is a bit overworked. <laughs> From the Thanksgiving meals and those of us who are not concerning ourselves with spreading COVID. Uh, so I apologize today, it's just me, uh, but I do have a guest speaker with me and I'm very excited about that. But just as a quick reminder, seriously, Amy Keller is a bit overwhelmed in their hospital. Every hospital across Ohio is pretty bad right now. Please, everyone, keep to your household. I know it's going to be hard going into this holiday season, but we really do care about you and want you to stay safe. And Amy would really love to not be overwhelmed right now, I'm sure. <laughs> Over the holidays, we have lots of temptations around. When you have a picky eater, it can be extra challenging to ensure a balanced intake. We have an expert with us today to discuss a tool that might be helpful to get you through this holiday season and beyond. Welcome to Michelle Hoffman. Michelle is a dietitian that I get the privilege of working with and have for a couple years now, almost three. Uh, she's a registered dietitian nutritionist for nearly six years. After achieving her master's in public health from Stanford University, that's in Birmingham, Alabama, she put down her roots in her hometown here of Columbus, Ohio. She's, working, she's worked in a variety of settings such as corporate wellness, community nutrition, and most recently as a contract dietitian for Dietitian in Your Kitchen. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me, Laura. And a little quick note, it is Samford, not Stanford, but everyone gets it wrong. And they actually have a shirt that says Sam, not Stan on it, so. <laughs> nice. I did say it right, right? I did say Samford, right? I, I did hear Stanford, but. <laughs> oh, I was reading, I, I was pretty sure I said Samford, but um, yeah, probably. <laughs> But you're, you're, everyone, everyone I say I go to Stanford, they're like, really? I'm like, no, not Stanford. They're saying, oh, okay. <laughs> so everyone always hears that, but right. still yeah. a great school yeah. in the South. <laughs> well, thank you again yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk about this because I think it, just the holidays can be really hard and challenging and with all of us kind of stuck inside with our kids and it can be hard to get a good diet in and then we're going to start having cookies and candy around and it's that season. And so I thought a lot about, you know, some of the things that we've done together and worked together with kids to help them improve their eating habits. And I know you have a go-to kind of holiday survival tool that maybe you could share with us today. Yeah, definitely. Well, a tool that I use, and I use this with parents, but also working with kids directly, is a tool called the stoplight diet, or a modified stoplight diet for kids, which is is proven to be effective in a lot of cases. So the stoplight diet, in other words, we call them go foods, woe foods, or slow foods. And it's really a great way to um, educate kids about nutrient-dense foods and identifying them at a young age because kids can start learning about, you know, identifying nutrient-dense foods versus not at a really young age, you know, beginning at two or three years old. So 
we have sort of a spectrum of food that we can put in every category. And it's really easy for people to understand that way. And another thing I really love about this method is that it works for children and adults, but it also doesn't exclude any foods. We say that we want our go foods every single day. And these are our good nutrient dense foods that we want to aim for everything from fruits and vegetables to whole grains, lean protein and so on. And then we have our slow foods, right? Yeah. And then we have our woe foods, which we want to have just every once in a while. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, I was just gonna I was just gonna say I, I, I was just gonna bring up because we've we've kind of talked about nutrient density before here, and I say that a lot, and I don't think it has a lot of meaning to it. So that's what I like about the stoplight diet is because it does, it kind of almost helps you define that. But just to back up, how would you define nutrient density? What do you mean by that? Just so that pe- the sure. you know, parents understand that. Yeah, so simply put, nutrient density These are foods that are dense with nutrients that are high in essential vitamins and minerals and things that our bodies need every day so that they can uh, can function properly. For kids, I say vitamins and minerals or nutrients are just the stuff and food that helps our bodies do its job. So, yep. yep. Good. (laughs) Awesome. So, I'm sorry. So, you were saying what go foods were those were more the fruits and the vegetables and the whole grains meats dairy the foods that we need to have generally speaking yeah Um, yeah and we want to eat them every day and so for kids you know this looks like a stoplight so we have the they really identify with that because they know green means go and we knew that means nutrient-dense go foods are going to help give us lots of energy so that we can go, that we can run and play. And so, like I said, it really resonates with kids starting as young as two and a half, three years old. And we also know that the younger that we are instilling these healthy habits and these concepts, you know, they're just going to take that through life and it helps really set the stage for them being able to make healthy decisions on their own about their food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then we have our slow foods, which is a little bit more subjective, I think, um, depending on maybe the dietitian you talk to. But It's like the yellow really, light, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it sort of slows. You want, you know, cars are, you know, I don't always do this, but you're supposed to slow down at that. Right. <laughs> at that, um, yep, at that yellow light. And I think the slow food is really, and I know you guys have talked about this, where the, the dose makes uh, the poison. And, and so here, you know, if we have things that aren't quite as nutrient dense, but still, you know, aren't terribly, you know, high in uh, salt or added sugars, you know, they can kind of fit into this category. And also the portion size uh, matters as well. So some people might say that high calorie, but really nutrient dense foods might go in this category, things like Mm -hmm. peanut butter. But I think if you stick to the right portion that's on the label, Uh then that could be a go food. So it depends on sort of that portion. Yeah. I have a hard time with slow foods too. I guess I kind of like to think about them like it's got the go food there, but maybe it's got a little added sugar or a little bit of added fat, but not like fried or that type of thing. Exactly. It's just kind of in the middle yeah (laughs) and it makes sense that we just kind of want to keep eating them because they're not full of things like fiber that are going to help 
fill us up or, mm-hmm. you know, water that we find in fruits and vegetables. So they are, they tend to be, it's better if we pair them with a go food because that's going to help, I think, <laughs> fill us up a little bit and keep okay. from eating a giant thing of pretzels, which I'm guilty of doing if I don't watch myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's portion control. Yeah. I think of slow foods as portion control. Yeah. Exactly. Kind and that's of. why, again, this this is helpful for adults as well yeah. as kids, but something to just <laughs> sure. keep in mind all year round, but I think especially at the holidays when we tend to have more food around, people are giving food as gifts. This year may look a little different, but just typically we have more parties and yeah. events where, you know, we want to keep in check sort of where we are, hunger and fullness cues and these are tools that can go along with the stoplight diet and really help to kind of regulate our hunger and fullness. Right. Right. Yeah. And then finally then woe foods then obviously, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we can all guess where you're going with that one, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So woe foods, you know, they know that at the, at the red light kids know that cars stop. And so he's kind of slow us down the most or, We want to stop and think about, you know, digging into um, these woe foods. And it's not to say that we can't ever have them because we never want to put a food off limits unless there is, you know, a a medical need to, you know, disallow a food. But of course, if we put these labels on foods like yes, no, good, bad, and we really make it black and white, like you can never have ice cream, then... It makes it something to aspire for. And even kids, like, if you say you can't have something, then, you know, they're going to want it even more. So right. instead, the better way to go about it is you can have low foods. We just say every once in a while. And that's a good message to give to kids, but to just to also remember to repeat it, especially around the holidays, yeah. you know. So, and I know that you on this podcast have talked a lot about having that junk food drawer with your kids growing up. <laughs> Yeah, And I think that, you know, you didn't make it a big deal, but every once in a while, you know, they can have those, those least, or we say calorically dense foods where they have, they typically have a lot of calories, but not necessarily a lot of nutrients. So these are things I call the three S's. They may be high in one or more of the three S's. Okay. Sat fat or saturated fat. Uh Kids, I say sat fat because they think it's fun. It rhymes. (laughs) Yep. Added sugar and then added salt. So things that might be higher in those may be um, a low food. And so that's how I kind of like to categorize things with kids where, and it's hard because we know that healthy eating is not black and white. It's super gray, but it's really hard to teach these more abstract concepts to children right this is a good way to kind of start into that into that idea yeah and I like that I like the the woe and you know it's not no or don't right (laughs) yeah and I hear that a lot no right (laughs) and I hear that a lot from from fan like some clients they are always like I shouldn't eat this or I shouldn't you know they always talk about they shouldn't eat something and so it's like we have to give ourselves permission to have it every once in a while and then we're going to have a better relationship with food and we're going to be able to better keep it in its place and then understand that the go foods are the ones we want all the time yeah and not only that but we want to Especially with kids, we want to instill this idea that go foods are something not to be suffered through, but that 
you know, to get to the food, but (laughs) that they want to enjoy them on their own. And so introducing, you know, a variety of go foods at a young age, that's going to really help set the stage for kids. And they're going to be less likely to be picky eaters. And I really think the holidays are a great time to, to introduce new go foods that maybe people don't necessarily have year round. I Mm. don't know. Are there any fun we have a lot of fun vegetable-based dishes that we make around the holidays. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, so you could incorporate those and get them to try some new foods, especially, I think, well, and it may not happen this year, but, you know, traditionally when you have the whole family around the table and something is presented that might be new and a vegetable or something like that for them to try, having other people try it too is always a good thing. Absolutely. I think that one, one good thing about, you know, COVID and the holidays is that, you know, people uh, hopefully, well, they'll be off work, but they'll be staying home so that they'll be, uh, they have more opportunities to take time for meals and sit down and have meals together as a family. Yeah. And we know that role modeling is super important and that you're sitting at the table, you're sitting with the kids and you're eating, you're showing them that these foods are just enjoyable that it's just a part of the normal family dynamic that we all eat these foods and we can all enjoy them. And like you said, like you said, like you're their role model. So they Mm -hmm. will do what you do. It's, it's something called like positive peer pressure, you know? (laughs) Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Right. Positive. I like that. Positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Or they're kind of deciding on their own that, you know, Oh yeah, I think, my cool older brother over there is eating some roasted Brussels sprouts. Like, well, no one's looking. I might grab one too. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then yeah. I also think that it helps kids feel more in control and autonomous because they're the ones choosing to to right. go for that food and eat the thing that everyone else is eating. Right. Right. And You're I never wanting to pressure them to try to, you know, suggesting that they eat a go food or and role modeling it is much better than saying you have to eat this. Which kind of leads me to talking about, we've talked about this before, is kind of Ellen Sater and her method of, you know, the parent's responsibility and the child's responsibility. I know you speak a lot about this to your clients. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Certainly, because it it bears repeating. It's much easier said than done, but, you know, what Ellen Sater and her research, they have found that um, it's most effective when for healthy eating when the parents decide the what the where and the when so what the the meal is and everyone eating the same thing when so at structured times the meals and the snacks and then where so that's where you're sitting at a table and most importantly you don't have distractions around especially things like a tv because that can be really, really distracting. Um, and it also deters you from like having conversations um, and having that having that mealtime become like a social time. Right. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of good research out on there on how important that conversation is. It's more, absolutely. it's not just about the meal. So, yeah. 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 I mean, we know this, but eating is, it's cultural. It's more than just the calories that you're putting in your body. It's so much more than that. And then, um, so if that's what the parents, uh, that's their 
job. Yep. And then the child's job is to decide whether to eat and how much to eat. And that's where easier said than done. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I say that because it's really easy to fall into a cycle, I think, of, you know, especially if they start to show signs of being more picky of uh, saying, oh, okay, like they won't eat this. So I'm going to make them their own special meal um, Mm -hmm. because I know that they'll eat that. And then also they worry that they aren't eating enough or they're eating too much Mm -hmm. instead of really trusting their uh, son or daughter to to listen to their internal hunger cues but that's what we need to let parents do is give their child their children their jobs and have them follow their own jobs and it may not happen overnight but yeah (laughs) I think the best way to to be successful especially when you're dealing with picky eaters but and that's why we say the younger that these types of jobs are put in place with kids Mm -hmm. yeah the easier it is you know the older they get sure yeah yeah and not impossible when they're older but it's it's definitely easier when they're younger it's easier when they're younger and I don't know about you, Laura. I was part of the clean plate club growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still struggle yeah. with that. I've admitted that numerous times on this <laughs> podcast. I yeah. always feel like I have to clean my plate. And I still, I, I, I've learned one thing for me that helps with me is I don't, I try to put less on my plate to begin with so that I can feel like I can always get more. But this way, I can still kind of have my clean plate club because that's where I started. Any, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, any tips on that to make sure that doesn't happen with the next generation? <laughs> yeah, it's just abolish it. Abolish the clean plate club. Yep. It just, yeah. And I think I think we are hopefully getting away from that. But like, I know my parents weren't as picky as when I would go to my grandparents' house. You know, with mm-hmm. them, I was not allowed to leave the table and I was a really picky eater I I still like have memories of that my grandma pouring orange juice a whole huge cup of orange juice <laughs> with pulp in it and oh. we not have orange juice in the house but I was picky and so the pulp and I had to sit there and she watched me as I had to down this orange juice with pulp and I will never forget uh-huh. how horrible that was yeah but yeah, you don't forget things like that. No, but, you don't. <laughs> but instead, you know, especially when you're trying to introduce a new food to kids, you mm-hmm. know, only do it. Don't put a mess of new foods on their plate because then right. they probably won't eat any of it. It's super overwhelming. So definitely try to, you know, put that one new thing on the plate and with familiar. Foods. Yeah. 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 And, yep. and one thing I've actually found effective is if, especially with younger kids, like, if you take a new food and you freeze it and you just get a little bit out at a time and you thaw it and then you put it on their plate, if you're worried about food waste, because that's kind of a big topic these days, is yeah. food waste, uh-huh. is just freezing it ahead of time and putting a little bit out, like after it's thawed, or then you cook it up and, you know, try it, try to introduce it that way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I've actually seen success with that, and that way no food goes to waste either, so everyone kind of you know, is at ease with that. Um, yeah. 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 So that, that all, I like how that all leads into the, what you were talking about with the go slow, woe, but understand at the same time, you're never going to get them. You're never going to control what exactly goes into their mouth and how much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 
And I think the other important thing, especially around the holidays, is for parents that job of when and that routine. So keeping that regular eating Mm -hmm. routine that you have all year round, trying to maintain that during the holidays as well is really important to keep in mind. Right, Um, yeah. Especially because kids need multiple opportunities throughout the day to to eat and to try foods and they're not always going to eat at every single meal or every single snack or eat what you expected them to mm-hmm. and there can be so many different reasons for that sure. so that's where that routine needs to be maintained especially during the holidays not yeah. letting them get too hungry and having meltdowns and and then <laughs> I know yeah. when I'm hungry and I don't think about what I'm going to be eating or something like that and you get behind it you know what I mean then you're Mm -hmm. I reach for that lowest common denominator and I know around the holiday season we tend to have more of those woe foods around right and so Mm -hmm. it's easier for the child to be like I just you know I want to eat a cookie or you know I want to eat a cookie and it's like well is it time for you to eat something maybe we should have a healthy snack and and then you can have a cookie right yeah yeah, I kind of figure out, like, why it is, like, are you just saying that because it's here and you're hungry, or do you just, like, really want this cookie right now? And Right. So, kind of, yeah, getting a little bit behind it, like, what, why are you hungry right now? And uh-huh. if it's probably around snack time, and I know one thing, too, is I, I'm not a mother, but I have eight nieces and nephews, <laughs> and they are all nine years of age and younger, Wow. So, like, the holidays are crazy in my family, and I know, you know, especially around Thanksgiving, we tend to have really irregular meals uh, when, when people are in town, you know, people sleep in, sure. wake yeah. up late, you're eating lunch hours later, dinner hours later, but even if that's sort of how the adults are eating, like, it's going to make your life really hard <laughs> if you're not at least keeping the kids schedule and that's where I think sometimes planning ahead is really important just yeah. because you're having a late breakfast doesn't mean the child's gonna want right. to eat a late breakfast too yeah yeah like you know, that can then lead to some meltdown so routine is really important to remember during the holidays absolutely <laughs> if, if possible yes yes <laughs> all right so what are Let's see, what are some of your tips for making the healthy choice, the easy choice, the holiday season? That's a good question. So if I'm looking at it through the lens of like a parent feeding a child, I think that offering multiple opportunities to try new foods, even, and what I found is that kids, especially young kids, they don't love bitter vegetables or maybe things that aren't. Um, non-standard so you know they have their carrots and their broccoli and things that you know but you yeah. wouldn't dream that maybe they would eat roasted asparagus or things that the adults would eat so to uh-huh. speak yeah so or salads I think, even I think with some kids some parents can be hesitant to give them a salad and think that they yeah. wouldn't like a salad yeah I know like they knock it before they even try it so mm-hmm. this is a really good time of year to to introduce new vegetables Um, And introduce them in a new way because oftentimes it can be the texture and the way it's, you know, given to the child, raw, roasted, microwaved, all of that can make such a difference is that texture. So having some fun this holiday season and experimenting with 
cooking, especially, I know I keep going to vegetables, but new vegetables <laughs> in fun ways, you know, and then also enjoy treats and enjoy making holiday cookies together. But I think not focusing around the fact that they get to eat cookies, but that they get to spend time with their friends and family, whether it be in person or if they're over Zoom and really celebrate that you guys are spending time together and that it's really fun to be together, to be goofy, to make a goofy looking cookie and using your creativity and make it be about that versus uh-huh. about getting to eat treats. Right. Because then you're celebrating the holiday itself and not the food. So I think mm-hmm. that is really, really important to keep in mind. Yep. And then, yeah, also, like I said, I think keeping that routine and exposing kids to new vegetables that you would normally not dream of and yeah. not knock it till you try it. And also remember to offer it multiple times in multiple ways. So that's super important to, to keep in mind as well. We know that kids may need up to 20, up to 20 exposures before they may accept a new food. And so not giving up, you know, they try right. broccoli, uh, roasted and they hated it. Okay, well, let's figure right. out, you know, maybe in a week or so, try it again with right. something else that you know they like. So I think that those tips are important to keep it, um, keep in mind all year round, but especially yeah. during the holidays. Yeah. And I like, I like that idea of like around the holidays, you have special meals. So maybe you're trying some special foods and try mm-hmm. something new because it's a holiday. And because the holiday is special, maybe that will get them a little more interested in trying a new food. And, and then hopefully if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Don't, panic as the parent right and then and let them continue to try it then later on when it's not the holiday too and follow through because it does take some time and can you explain a little bit what you mean by exposure because I know this is something that a lot of people think well you have to take one bite right so can you talk a little bit about that yeah so I think that what we often see is people bargaining with kids for bites. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to have two or three or seven bites and then you're done. Well, they may be full already or you're, you're putting pressure on them and that's going to make them resist even more. Right. So instead of, like I said, bargaining for bites, you want to offer them an exposure and that might not mean that they're actually putting it in their mouth, but that it's in front of them. It's on the, plate maybe they pick it up maybe they're exploring it with their senses other than taste so they're smelling it Mm -hmm. you know maybe you know like I said they're touching it they're feeling it they're just kind of getting comfortable with it because that's going to help familiarize them with that food right and maybe the next time they decide after touching it because some kids won't even if the if the food is even on their plate not even touching other things uh-huh. They freak out. So maybe your first win is just getting it on the plate and allowing them to see it on their plate. <laughs> right, right. And then maybe next time, maybe like a week later or so, put it back on their plate and maybe this time they'll touch it or mm-hmm. like kind of play around with it with their fork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. then eventually get into the point of trying it and tasting it. So right. I like I that. 
I always thought yeah. it was like you had to eat it, you know what I mean? So yeah. everybody thinks that that's an exposure, but that's not necessarily true. Definitely like no. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? I mean, I feel like all this talk has kind of got me thinking back. Like, I'm starting to feel nostalgic now. Like, <laughs> thinking back to, like, the dishes that, like, I had as a kid that I really enjoyed. Well, I think uh-huh. I was a picky eater. So there were certain things I didn't get to enjoy until I was in high school. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat. Our family makes this really good broccoli casserole. Definitely not a go go dish. Right. But, <laughs> but it's so good. And it's like mostly broccoli, but it has like cream cheese in it. And we had that. We made a green bean casserole and all the and my aunt would make a corn dish I don't you know just all of these casseroles yeah they're so good but because I was such a picky eater and my mom was always like my aunts were like you gotta eat this you gotta eat this or I'll be like yeah I just sounds like I love them yeah (laughs) and you know what my mom always did if I would eat the family meal she would make me my own plate. She'd let me have cereal. She gave in. Uh-huh. And she wouldn't allow me to eat with the family and trust that if I was hungry, I would eat. And mm-hmm. I do not blame my mom. She's awesome. <laughs> but I, I kind of use myself as a guinea pig of dealing with picky eaters. I'm like, how could I have gotten myself to be less picky as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one where when the child doesn't eat anything at a meal and and they get older too and then they get to the point where they can go and get themselves something out of the cab- cabinet do you ever make suggestions on you know so the mom's not being a short order cook the child is perfectly capable of making something else so at that point do you let them eat something else or you know mm. <laughs> i think it totally depends on the child you know Mm-hmm. I think it depends. You know, you kind of want to see the whole picture. How physically active are they? What types of beverages are they choosing on their own? Are, you know, are they just going for a pop? Are they, you know, yeah. but also like at the end of the day, if they're in the house, they can be part of the meal planning and preparation. And, you know, they can, or, you know, even if they're older, mom can say, hey, we're having this for dinner tomorrow, I, you get to choose for taco night what what vegetable we have or what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And control, yep. the, the parents can still have a lot of control over what's in the home. Mm-hmm. So not allowing, right. you know, allowing the child to have opportunities for, for tons of go foods if that's all they have if they're older. So, yeah, you're yeah. still in control. Right. Even if they don't want to admit it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been very helpful and very, I think, very timely. And and hopefully this helps our listeners through the holidays to have a better relationship with their kids at that holiday meal and how to keep those holiday woe foods in in a good perspective of how they should be in our diets, right? And I think it's helpful to us parents, too. I think... Even if you don't have kids, just understanding this concept can be very helpful and empowering for you to know, you know, that honestly, as you're, everyone has that, you're in control of how much and whether you eat it, right? (laughs) So, yeah. 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 And if you need a little help kind of exploring why you might not be able to 
you know, kind of follow those guidelines. We know Mm -hmm. that knowledge doesn't always equal behavior. And so that's where working with a dietitian can come in handy because we can kind of help you and guide people towards figuring out those motivations for, for making better choices in the future. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you, and I appreciate your expertise in working with kids. You do an amazing job. I've seen you working with kids, and I think you're wonderful. And I know you have a program coming up in January. If you want to talk about that a little bit, this is going to be a virtual program, so really any of our listeners could take advantage of this, right? Absolutely. It is virtual because everything's virtual right now. (laughs) um, (laughs) So I decided that, you know, just anecdotally uh, from hearing parents talk about how it's really hard for for them to uh, impart nutrition, nutrition education onto their children. Um, Sometimes they get a little bit of that in school, but they're they're really not getting a whole lot at the moment. And I think I, a lot of parents are also struggling the, you know, throughout sure. the day-to-day of deciding, okay, what do I cook my family now? Or, you know, just kind of losing sight of, you know, how to create that healthy environment for them and their family that's going to support healthy habits and a healthy weight in kids and adults and everyone in the family. So I created a 12-week program that is going to be offered weekly starting in January. And one day I will be having a virtual lesson with kids. And one day I will be um, having sort of a virtual lesson slash kind of more relaxed Q&A with parents that complements the lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, So that way everyone's kind of learning and learning at an appropriate pace. And I know um, everything's online at our all the details on our website, which is dietitianinyourkitchen.com. There's a virtual learning tab I know that you can go to and you can learn more and you can register there. So yeah. We'll put that link in our our, um, show notes for everyone too. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like I said, kids can benefit from this and so do adults. And we're gonna, I'm going to record these on Zoom as well so that if someone misses out on one week or is a little bit late and wants to see some catch up, they can, they can certainly do that. And it's also nice because it's a price that would include the whole family. So right. it's not per individual. It's per household, per family. Gotcha. Even if you're a child care provider other than a parent or you're a teacher hmm. or a preschool teacher, like this is accessible to them as well because I know that there are kids in daycare and I love working with kids in daycare, those three to five-year-olds. And they, like I said at the beginning, you're never too young to learn the foundation of nutrition and healthy habits. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, It's been great talking to you today. And Thank uh, you for having me. Sorry it was just me, but... (laughs) It's okay. I'll forgive you. Yeah. I will do my best here to uh, take us out, which Amy usually does for us. But um, I'm going to do great. Thanks. (laughs) So we would love your help, our listeners. If you are enjoying our podcast, you can do us a favor by subscribing or rating our podcast. We also do love your feedback. So please keep sending us your show ideas and any feedback you have on our podcast. You can send those to dish at secretliferd.com.
You can also follow us on Instagram at The Secret Life Dietitians and on Twitter at T Dietitians. We will catch you next time wherever you get your podcasts.